In Isaiah 64, verse 4, one of my favorite verses and one of the kind of North Star verses for our church. Uh, Isaiah says, Eye has not seen nor ear has ever heard or had ever entered into the mind of anybody a God like ours, a God who works for those who wait for him. And one of the great truths of 2 Corinthians and one of the great hopes of our lives is that God works for people that don't wait for him, that just screw around and make a mess of everything. Anyways, that God is still at work in our lives. And this is the, the great fundamental reality of 2 Corinthians. As we talked about last week, second, what 2 Corinthians is, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the apostolic band, and the work of Scripture, working for this problematic church. We talked about this church last week. It's not a special church. It's not a significant church. It's not a strategic church. It's just some church. And they're painting Paul's keister. And yet God is here knocking himself out. Eye has not seen or ear has heard or ever entered into the mind of anybody, a God that would not just write second, 1 Corinthians, but 2 Corinthians as well. And so we have 2 Corinthians, God working for this church. Why? Because... They're the light of Christ in the Corinthian world. In the Athenian, Corinthian, Grecian world, this is the light of Christ there. Right away as we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to see now how does the light of Christ shine in this place at this time. And so let's look here at verses 3 to 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to try to understand this, okay? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. All right, do... He kind of spells that out pretty, pretty carefully and slowly. So I don't know if I need to beat on this too much. But let's have a little pop quiz, all right? So who does God, who does God comfort? What does it say? He comforts... Mumble the words. I want to hear more mumbling. Us in all our afflictions, right? Okay. Us in all our afflictions... That's cool. You got any afflictions? Good. God will comfort you. Why is he doing that? What does it say? Just do some mumbling. So that we can comfort others. So we can be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And what are we supposed to use? God gives us the comfort. What are we supposed to do to comfort them? We're supposed to use what? Yeah. Tony's doing a good mumble. Everybody else mumble it. Mumbling uh, the comfort ourselves are comforted by God. All right. Does that make sense? God comforts us in our affliction. We're supposed to comfort other people with the comfort that we get. So when God gives you a treat... He gives you a treat that's more like this. 
than like an individual candy. He gives you a bag of candy, in a sense. Enjoy the candy. But this is a family pack. A small family. This is a family pack. It's for you, but be serious. This is for you to share. This is how God gives us his comforts. So, what do we need... Let's just extrapolate here a little bit and make sure we're super clear. What do we need in order to enjoy God's comforts? We need afflictions. Check. What are we supposed to do when we've been comforted? We're supposed to comfort the afflicted. Why is that the way this works? Look at me at verses 5 and 6. For, explanation, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. This is the way it works because this is the way of Christ. Verse 6, if we, the apostles, are afflicted, it's for your comfort, Corinthian church, and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience, Corinthian church, when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. This is the way we are. This is the way of Christ. And so it's going to be the way of his apostles, and it's going to be the way of his people. Hey, uh, every family's got like a, a great uncle or a great aunt, or maybe you're the great uncle or great aunt in your family network that's really into uh, the family tree. Right, so I've got a great aunt who's really into our family tree, and so much so that she went back to the old country. She wanted to find the little, the little village in Germany, the foothills of whatever mountains are over there, that, you know, that beside the river that, that we all sprang up out of. And, and she wanted to find that and, and go there. Why? Because we're going to learn something about who we are. Well, why our family is the way we are, maybe, or why I'm the way I am. Because we, we trace it back to that, that location, that spot. As Christians, what's our, what's our home place, right? What's our, our, our village that we sprang out of? But the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul's saying here. The, the sufferings of Christ and the comforts that come to us, that's the archetype for who we are. That's our family features. And so our lives are going to mimic that. That's the way we work. Because that's the way of Christ. We're going to share in his sufferings. We're going to share in his comforts. One uh, commentator I read called this the principle of divine inevitability. <laughs> that if Jesus, if, if God in Christ comes into the world and he is afflicted to the extent that we see in the crucifixion. And he bursts forth with all the comforts that we receive through the work of the Spirit and the Gospel. Then, what are his people going to experience as well? They're going to experience the same thing. They're going to experience unjust sufferings. They're going to experience afflictions. And yet, from those afflictions are going to burst forth the work of the Spirit and the vitality of the Gospel through us as well. So this is the way it is. This is, in other words, friends, this is the Christian life. 
This is what Paul is laying out here for the Corinthian church right away. This is the Christian life. Verse 7, as we continue our reading of this, Paul says, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. That this is just the way that this works. We are going to get comfort in our afflictions. Right? God has all the comfort that all of our afflictions need. What would you say is the key word in this passage of Scripture? The word that appears more than any other word in this section? Comfort. Do you like comfort? Comfort's nice. What do you think of when you think of comfort? Tea? Comforter? Right? Crawling under a comforter with a cup of tea, sitting nearby that you're never going to enjoy because you fall gently into sleep, right? But Jesus says, it's better for you that I go so that the comforter can come. Right? And he doesn't, he doesn't mean this sort of like animated kind of rug-looking thing that's like, come here, baby Christian, and going to give us big hugs and cuddle us up. He's saying, it's better for me to go so that this, this other thing can come into your life. That the Spirit of the living God. The word comfort here, comfort's kind of a pat on the head word for us. But comfort in the Bible is th- this idea of coming alongside somebody to lift them up and to give them life. What's the second most prominent word in this passage? Well, comfort and what? Affliction. So this is point-counterpoint. This is black and white. This is negative-positive. The comfort is the exact need required by the afflictions. All afflictions send us into a place of loneliness, a place of a sense of our isolation from the others around us. It, all afflictions take us low. All afflictions bring us to a place of of despairing of life. And so the comfort that's being described here is not this sweet, gentle, like, nothingness that is fine for some people, but not for us and our grown-up problems. This is the exact necessary mirrored requirement of our afflictions. And what is the other emphasis that Paul gives us here at the very beginning of this section. He says, blessed be the God, fast forward, uh, the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, in every affliction that other people face. So God has all the comfort that all the afflictions need. God has all of the comfort that every affliction requires. Let that just sink into you for a second. So this is not just some comfort for Christians. Some, a little bit of love for your little bitty Christian problems. This is all the comfort. All that every affliction requires in order to be quieted. 
in order to be shrunk, in order to be changed, is what God holds out to us here. We have our afflictions, and God brings us comfort. But now we're, we encounter the challenge of this passage, which is that what God comforts us with, he intends for us to share. You hear what Paul says here? It's kind of discouraging. He says at the end of verse 6, he says, uh, we want you to experience our comfort when you endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings. What sufferings are those, Paul? They're the sufferings that come when you try to comfort afflicted people. Now you've got comforts. Now you're going to share that with other people. And is that an easy, fun thing to do? Are afflicted people wonderful to interact with? Afflicted people are their own affliction, aren't they? And this is why we don't want to share. Because as soon as we say, hey, do you want some comfort? They say, nothing. Or they say, can I have it all? Or they say, why didn't you do that earlier? Or something, right? And you're like, ah, fine, I'll just I'll take him home. Also, kids, uh, we don't have any of the sheets for you to fill out, but if you want one of these after the service, you can come get one, okay? Just I'm going to quiz you and make it painful, but you can, you can have one or two of those. God gives us comfort in our afflictions, and he calls us to comfort the afflicted. That's challenging. It's challenging to comfort the afflicted, and so we're, we're somewhat reluctant to do this. But here's the good news. When we do this, when we share the comfort that we got in our afflictions with others who are afflicted, where does that lead us? It leads us to more comforts. This is what Paul is saying here. We share, in verse 5, abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ we share richly, abundantly, overwhelmingly in comfort as well. To the extent that we share in the, in, in the afflictions of Christ, we get to know God and Christ that much better. You know, there, there's all of these stories in Scripture, these weird, wonderful stories, some of our favorite ones. Remember the, the little old lady in the Old Testament who she's got to sell her kids to slavery just to provide food for some of the other kids. And Elijah, the prophet, comes in. And he's like, what are you doing? And, he's, and she says, well, this is the situation. So he says, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go borrow all the vessels, all the jars and pots and pans and cups that you can from everybody you know. And, and take that last little bit of oil and just start pouring it out. And what happens is she pours out all the oil that she has. Right? It just keeps filling up. There's just more. He never loses any the more she gives. And Jesus is teaching on the hillside, and there's five, fifteen, twenty thousand people there, and, and he says, uh, you know, the disciples are like, guys, we're getting hungry. And he says, Well, let's why don't you feed them? Five loaves, the, the fishes. And everybody's got some. 
We put it, put it in God's hands, put it in Christ's hands, and it, what you have never goes away, but you can feed everybody else. What you have never goes away, but there's more. God loves these kind of tricks. He loves these kind of tricks where you give it all away and it never leaves you. And you always have what you need. You give it all away and you always have what you need. He loves these little things. Where he does that with oil, he does it with bread and fish. And here he's saying, this is what I do with the real stuff with the comfort that you need in all your afflictions. You give it all away, you always have enough. Now, I puzzled over a little bit. Why is this passage the first one in the book of 2 Corinthians? Why does this matter to the Corinthian church? Why does it matter in 2 Corinthians? And here's... Here's why I think this matters so much. First of all, because there is simply, there is an afflictedness to life. Or we're all in our own way scrambling to try to minimize this because it's just unavoidable and inescapable. And if for a few years you can kind of avoid it, then age starts catching up with you and everything becomes that much more afflicted. There is an afflictedness to life. And here's the problem. You meet God. You're forgiven. You're given the Spirit. You're like, wow, this is the end of afflictions. Now I'm going to go to church with all the other forgiven, blessed people, and we're going to just dance and laugh and have no more afflictions in this place ever, right? But you go to church, and it's like the afflictedness intensifies. You say... Life is full of afflictions, but I'm going to work for God. I'm going to serve the gospel, and so he's going to protect me from afflictions. And Paul's like, yeah, no. Life is full of afflictions, and they intensify when we go into the church and we go into serving Jesus. There's a variety of reasons for this. I mean, uh, this is not a mutual admiration society. This is a Jesus admiration society. And so we are bound together not by our natural affinities. We're bound together not by our common interests, our shared hobbies, our political views. We're bound together by this extraordinary message and this extraordinary person. And so there's going to be a lot of the things that we rely on in our lives to ease our afflictions here are inflamed. We don't get to pick our church members. We receive them as gifts and we abide it. <laughs> and there's a variety of other reasons too. We're asking each other, how are you? And we mean, how's your soul before God in the world? We're, we're asking for greater vulnerability and we're offering greater intimacy and that is fraught. And we're dealing with heavy things. How's your relationship with the sins in your life? <laughs> Are you ready to die? This is a heavy place. It's a tricky place. The afflictedness of life can seem to intensify here. 
It can be a daunting proposition. The Corinthians are experiencing this in bucket loads. Right, First and second Corinthians bear witness to a level of, of, and variety of problems that we don't see anywhere else in the New Testament writings. So they're experiencing this. And, and again, we come back to that, that basic question, why bother? Why bother? Paul says, because this is where God gives comfort. This is where God gives comfort. He comforts his afflicted people. He comforts his afflicted people who come to him for comfort in their affliction. He comforts his afflicted people who will take that comfort and comfort others. That's who and where he gives his comfort. In a world full of affliction and everybody clamoring for comfort, this is the spot. This is the only place it rains on the whole of the planet. Is in the church of God's people who in their afflictions look to Him for comfort and say they'll take that comfort and share it with others in their afflictions. You know, in the context of Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church, as we talked about last week, there's a lot of comfort and affliction flying in both directions. I mean, Paul, remember he made that special visit where he was going to try to massage first Corinthians into the life of the Corinthian church, but while he was in traveling, some guy rose up who was like, Paul stinks. Paul shows up, he gets embarrassed, he runs away, he writes a mean letter that makes him all worried, right? So there's this affliction and comfort and affliction and comfort, and 2 Corinthians starts this way because Paul's saying, that's okay. That's okay. This is how it works. This is how the light shines. In the jumble of our affliction and the comfort of God. Now, this is uh, one theory on how you can get comfort. The world has an answer for this, doesn't it? The world's way of seeking comforts in material comforts, social comforts, physical comforts, avoiding afflicting experiences, itchy material, avoiding afflicted people, Avoid afflicted people at all costs. But listen, if we, if we buy into that, if we devote ourselves to avoiding afflictions and avoiding therefore afflicted people, we are placing ourselves firmly outside of God's will. What's God, God's will means what God wants. We are placing ourselves Firmly away from the one spot where it rains. This is where God gives his comfort. Of course, it's not that he can't comfort the hashtag blessed, but that he don't want to. He wants to do it here, here, and in Corinth. God does not abide among those who are investing themselves 
in being free from affliction. God is not a bless those who are devoted to blessing themselves. Rather, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's where. That's what, that's how, that's why. And the question is, do we, the people of God, want this God? Do we want his comforts? And let me just assure you that you do. Because when it says that he's the God of all comforts, who comforts us in any affliction, those words mean that this is the only comforts that there are. He's got them all. And they're the only ones that work. Those in Christ's experience comfort not by avoiding, but by going through affliction. So what should we do? I think this passage calls us to three things. Uh, first of all, verse 4, he comforts us in all our afflictions. Do you have any afflictions? Own your afflictions. That's the first thing. Own your afflictions. God says, how are you today? What do you say? Fine. Are you fine? Really? This is a challenging uh, act of faith, isn't it? So we reach a point in our Christian life sometimes where we, uh, you know the expression, losing faith in humanity? Right? You still go to the store. You still talk to humans. But you've, you've lost uh, a sense that good is going to come to you through extending your interaction with the human race. We come to a place like that in our spiritual lives as well, where we lose faith in God. Not in that we stop believing in God, or we stop going to church. Or we, we lose the sense that good is going to come to you by increasing your amount of vulnerability with God. We lose faith in God. He's just not going to do the stuff that I need him to do. And so we withdraw and we withhold ourselves from God. And, but here's the problem. Why do we do that? Because of afflictions. Oh, we just missed it. If afflictions are keeping us from God, afflictions are the, the thing that God wants to comfort us in. Verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comforts. Blessed be, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction. He will deliver what we need, he, the, the comforts that our afflictions demand, he will provide. But we have to own our afflictions, before God at least. And then, share the comforts that you get. I loved our sharing Sunday a couple weeks ago. 
and our next one is scheduled for April 12th. It's on the books. So start uh, squirreling away those acorns so you can make your presentation on April 12th. But this is challenging as well, right? And we talked about some of the reasons already. But I think that there's a sense when you think about uh, sharing the comforts that worked for you, you don't want to necessarily tell people what those comforts were because they sound dumb when you say them, (laughs) right? You feel silly. You feel vulnerable. You feel like uh, if it's really going to work, shouldn't I reference the Hebrew word here? Right? Shouldn't it be profound? Like, did you know God is red? Oh, you know, like some great new revelation that just melts people's faces. Let's look at Paul's example here. He gives us an example of, uh, of sharing in verses 8 to 10. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received a death sentence. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What was the comfort that Paul got that sustained him through this extraordinary experience of affliction? What was the the comforting truth? God raises the dead. Did you guys know that? Can I tell you something extraordinary? In 1 Corinthians 15, this is a couple pages away, look back at 1 Corinthians 15. Tell me what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. It's all about the resurrection of the dead. It's 60 verses of the most intense and glorious and beautiful and clear exposition of resurrection contained in Scripture. But Paul learned about the resurrection hope personally through what he experienced in Asia. He wrote 1 Corinthians 15. He learned God raises the dead from what he went through. Not profound. Not brand new to the Corinthian church. What makes makes our sharing powerful and useful is not the novelty of it or our ability to articulate it just so. What makes it so powerful is the clarity that our sufferings the story of our sufferings bring to that truth. The truthfulness of it gets a lot heavier through the experience of our sufferings. That's what Paul is bearing witness to here. 60 verses about the resurrection, but one phrase where he says, we gave it all up except, I thought, God raises the dead. So don't feel silly if you're just sharing a basic gospel truth. In fact, I would suggest those are the only things that work. 
A lot of times when we think about sharing, I want you to notice what the comfort is here. It is not positive thinking faith talk. It's not, hey, just pray. It's not, just believe. It's not, hey, things will get better. Hey, are things going to get better? No. And then yes. Put a lot of no first. This is not the hollow optimism of the world. And this is not advice. Paul, you're despairing of life. Are you sleeping enough? See that little patch of sunlight that comes in through the jail window from, from 1.30 to 1.45? You need to be there every day, Paul. And we're going to turn this ship around. What is, what is the comfort? It is gospel certainty. Because you know what? You can take all the vitamin D in the world. And there's some things that don't work for and you can hear all the positive faith mumbo-jumbo in the world, all the promises about a brighter tomorrow, and they're sometimes going to work. And if they're sometimes going to work, that means they don't work. Give the afflicted something that won't fail them. A gospel certainty, a word about God. What does he say here? When he comes to the end of himself, he says, I had to face up to a truth about God. God raises the dead. Hey, when we're in our afflictions, when you're in your afflictions, what you need to know, what I need to know, is that God is glorious. That God is glorious and He can be trusted. And the rest of the, the, the everything else is going to burn up. Let's pre-flush it. Share the comforts that you get that work in your affliction. They're going to work in mine. And then lastly, the last thing, notice that Paul has to say here in this passage, is verse 11. He says, You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. I just want to pause and point out something here that maybe will help us read 2 Corinthians a little differently. If you go back and you read 1 Corinthians or you read Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Paul's got, he's got this snappy wit. He's got this like bada bing, bada bing, so that, therefore, he's going. Right? You read 2 Corinthians and it's clunky. Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted through the prayers of many. It's almost like he's stuttering while he's writing. He's like, uh, he's laboring at this and a lot of people think that the experience that he had in Asia this one that he refers to here that we don't know what it is Luke omits it from Acts and Luke tells us a lot about Paul's prison experiences we know a lot about his other prison experiences but this one we don't know what this is and a lot of people point out that this is almost a before and after in Paul's life that you can hear the way he talks before and hear the way he talks after. And so 2 Corinthians is going to have a little bit more of a kind of an emotional stutter to it because Paul has gone down into some deep places. And I think that makes 2 Corinthians that much more glorious and powerful for us. 
But I also want to encourage you to, to go through the labor of reading some of this uh, clunkiness. Help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. I mean, what, what Paul's saying simply is that comfort comes to you and comfort goes through you because of prayer. Because people are praying for you that you will be comforted, that you will give comfort. And that prayer is what makes it work. Because, friends, and there's some confusion about this, what we are called to do, what the Corinthian church is put on earth to do, is not, is not an intellectual exercise. What we are called to do and what we are placed here to do is a spiritual thing. Not an intellectual thing. We're not God's great arguers. We're God's great comforters. We've been asked to to oversee the transfer of hope from healing hearts to hurting hearts. And for that, we need God to work. And so we receive comfort, we share comfort, and the whole thing is caked in and baked in prayer. So God loves and he serves the Corinthian church and us in part because we are the light of Christ in our worlds. How are we the light of Christ? In 2 Corinthians 1 here says, through the interplay of our afflictions and our comfort together in our relationships the interplay of our afflictions and comforts together. This is the flow of light within the apparatus of God's presence. The the moving, you know, they they talked in the Old Testament of the tabernacle and the presence of God settling on it and, and flashing of lights within the pillar of smoke. That's what is the flashing of lights, the presence of God moving about the body of Christ through the comfort that flows to the afflictions. That is the light within, and that is the shining that those without behold here as well. So let's pray our afflictions, and let's pray for each other, and let's share Let's share what we get. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the clarity of your word and for the goodness of it, for the the kind of pained simplicity of this passage. that we can receive the comfort our afflictions need because you are the God who has it all. And you love to give it to your people. You love to comfort us. And not just us, but the world through us. And so, Father, would you, would you give your spirit this morning in a fresh way that where there are in us places that we have 
we have paved over, afflictions in our spirit that we don't want to bring before you because we're not sure that you can do anything with them. Would you loosen our spirits and open us up to your love that we might give those afflictions to you. And Lord, show yourself faithful to us and give us comfort. And Lord, all the comfort that we get then, would you direct us to those who are in affliction who can be comforted through us by you. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this light. We ask that your spirit would help us to shine. In Jesus' name, and for his praise and thanks, amen.